Hello, my name is Scott Kappelman, and I want to welcome you to the Discover Crosspoint podcast. This podcast is a part of the ministry of Crosspoint Church in Starkville, Mississippi. We hope this podcast will provide encouragement in your ongoing journey of following Jesus. We also hope it will help you stay connected to our church. So without any delay, let's dive into today's topic. So today I'm glad to have um, three guys from our church, and they are three guys that are going to represent us in Clarkston, Georgia, as a part of the Gen Sin ministry this summer. And so I want to welcome um, Calvin and Nathan and Eli, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a moment. Um, Calvin has been a part of Gen Sin in the past, but I think for Nathan, Nathan, you've not done Gen Sin in the past, and Eli, I know this is your first time. So let's just start by letting the uh, folks who are listening to the podcast get to know you. Calvin, if you don't mind, tell them your name, a little bit about your background, and just some information might help them connect with you. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Calvin Prince. I am from Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is about an hour south of of Starkville. Um, I got to MSU and Starkville. Uh, The decision was easy when I graduated high school. My grandparents have been season ticket basketball and football season ticket holders since I was, since 2003. So I've been coming to Starkville for a long time. So when I graduated high school, there was really only one correct decision. Uh, and luckily I made the correct decision. Um, you could have been cast out of the family. I could have, I was threatened. I was threatened to be written out of the will because Ole Miss wasn't my top three, but luckily I saw the light and came to Starkville. Uh, but yeah, I come from Philadelphia, a great church background with First Baptist Philadelphia. Um, taught me good theology and uh, good Great Commission and gospel-centered theology. And uh, so when I came to college, it wasn't really a big leap as far as um, missions-minded and being mission-centered and everything. So that's a little bit about me. So Calvin, your your pastor is Dan Howard. Yes, sir. And your worship leader is uh, William Smith. Yes, sir. So I've got connections with both of those guys. Okay. Uh, Dan Howard was the pastor at Pine Grove Baptist Church in Picayune. He was two pastors ahead of me. Okay. So we've done some funerals together. And then William Smith was our worship leader at Adelton Baptist Church okay. when I was the pastor there. So okay. I've got big connections to your church. Okay. And it is a good church. Yes, Very sir. good church. All right, Nathan, introduce yourself. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Nathan Fischel. I Born and raised in Gulfport, Mississippi, down on the coast. Um, I came up here to Starkville uh, after going to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Um, my dad came here. He, he did mechanical engineering, and I chose to do the same thing. Um, I, my church, my home church, uh, which I grew up in, was also called Cross Point. We started a year before y'all did. That's right. <laughs> I was always active there, volunteering every chance I could get. Um, I loved it there. So it was so fascinating. Um, I grew up in Gulfport my first, second, third grade year of school. Uh, We moved there in 1976 and lived there through 1978. And we lived two blocks from the beach. My dad was a student at New Orleans Seminary and pastored a very small church called Broadmoor Baptist. And so I'm familiar with the Gulfport area. And when we started Crosspoint, I kept hearing there was another Crosspoint that was in South Mississippi. And little did I know, 
until recently that you grew up in that Cross Point Church. And I think you guys did start about the same time we did. Yeah. And your mother was the children's minister there for a period of time. Yep. She, she actually started at First Baptist Gulfport, and then we kind of branched off in history from there. That makes sense. And then we've got Eli. My name's uh, Eli Kaufman, and I'm actually from Starkville. I've grown up here my whole life, so I've been to a lot of state games and stuff like that. So uh, when it came time to graduate, I decided to do mechanical engineering, and uh, state's pretty good at that from what I hear, so it made uh, made sense to me. So I went to Mississippi State as well, and I grew up uh, in Cross Point. Naturally, he grew up, uh, since he is my son, I guess that makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your missions-related background. Calvin, I'm going to come back to you. I know you said you grew up in a church where uh, missions was a key emphasis. Um, Any mission trips, things you've done through the years? So uh, I didn't technically go on my first mission trip until I got to college. Uh, We went every summer when I was in the youth group uh, to Mission Fuge. So I did. I, I was familiar with mission work and and things like that. But my first true mission trip was with the uh, Mississippi State Baptist Student Union in 2017 when we went to New York over spring break. Uh, and in that trip, God really pricked my heart uh, and really convicted me of me not living a missional lifestyle. And so from then on, um, I've been really led by the Holy Spirit to be more missional in my everyday life. As well, and the Holy Spirit has led me to places that I thought I would never go, like England and China and and places like that. And so I have had the luxury of going all around the world, um, not as a tourist, but as a missionary to see how God is working uh, through different cultures and through different languages and through different circumstances to achieve His purpose. So, of the trips you've taken, is there one that maybe stands out as? I wouldn't say your favorite because, I mean, you're doing God's work. You're sharing the gospel. You're meeting new people. Any trip, though, that really stands out that was that was most unique? I would probably say when I went to China in December of 2019 because in, I think it was September of 2018, uh, Michael Ball, who's the director at the Baptist Student Union, told me that I pro- that he th- thought it would be good for me to go to China, and I laughed in his face and said, I'll, I'll never go to China. <laughs> and then a year later, God you know, called me to go to China, and I was nervous and scared, and all of that multiplied when I got a call that I would be a team leader uh, in China. So all of that multiplied times 100, and then that multiplied again when I found out no one on my team had ever been to China, nor had most of them been out of the country before. And so, uh, so on your first trip to China, you're leading a group of people who've never been to China, and yes. you're the team leader. Yes, yes. And so uh, I, I luckily had some friends that had been to China before, and uh, through through talking to them and through a lot of prayer and reading of the scripture, God really prepared me um, and the rest of the team because I know I I could have done a better job as team leader. But nobody died, and that's what's important. <laughs> yeah. Everybody got home Everybody safely. got home safely. Nobody <laughs> spent the night in jail. So I call that a success. That is a successful trip uh, compared to some that I've heard of. Yes. So. All right, Nathan, any missions background that has prepared you for what you're about to do this summer? So um, my missions background isn't like, like Calvin. I haven't really been on a real mission trip. Right. Place. Um, 
but I've done a lot with like disaster relief um, through Eight Days of Hope. We typically it's a year after a major disaster, we'll go in and help build a house. And then you also have rapid response where like right after the disaster we come and clear debris and we get opportunities to minister to people. Um, last spring break, uh, right before COVID, I guess would be my tr first true mission trip. We went out to Clarkston, Georgia um, to help with a, an after school program with a lot of refugee kids. Um, so you've been to Clarkston? Yep. The exact location where this team will be going. Yeah. That's great. Okay, go going back to the eight days of hope and the disaster relief, do you feel like your family, your church, your community was probably um, drawn to those kind of things simply because of what happened with you? Because you experienced Katrina yeah. in 2005, and I'm sure thousands of people flooded in there to help you guys after Katrina. Yeah, so I know, I remember a lot of people from all over the country, mainly um, Montana, I know, and that kind of had an impact on us, and the first Eight Days of Hope trip that happened was actually in Waveland, and I wasn't a part of that one, but future events right. that I kind of joined in. And Waveland's just down from where you grew up. If, you, right. if people don't know Mississippi geography, Waveland was where Katrina actually came in. Yeah. The eye of the storm went right, went right over Waveland, complete yeah. destruction. So that took a long time yeah. for the recovery process in that area. Okay, Eli, missions background? Um, I've done some local stuff with the youth here. We did vacation Bible school at Brooksville Gardens. Um, I think uh, the main mission trip I've taken though was to Guatemala one summer. That was back in, I believe, high school. Cross Point took for a week there. Good experience. In yeah, yeah, it is, it is a good experience. We got to work with uh, Mitch and Amanda. How do you say the last name? Minos. Minos, which is like a partner church with us now in Guatemala. All right, Calvin, we're going to run back. Um, you've been with the Gen Sin program in the past, so maybe there are people listening that don't have a real familiar background with what Gen Sin does and how it operates. So give a quick overview of Gen Sin. Okay. So GenSend is a section of the North American Mission Board's ministry uh, specifically geared for college students. So Generation Send is the actual name shortened to GenSend because the North American Mission Board uh, through GenSend wants to see an entire generation of people, college age students, commit to live their lives on mission and commit to serve six to eight weeks uh, somewhere else out of their comfort zone so that they can learn missional strategies that they can apply back home or wherever God calls them. And so um, there are 22 sin cities in North America and under normal circumstances there would be one team in each one of those cities. Now due to COVID, last year all of all of GenSend got canceled, and this year, um, everything in Canada outside of the U.S. got canceled. Um, but under normal circumstances, there would be 22 teams of 12 sent out all across North America to live, essentially just live with no itinerary in a city um, and live a gospel, learn how to live a gospel lifestyle among people they don't know so that when they go back to people they do know, 
they can live a gospel, be more prepared to live a gospel lifestyle. And I think the North American Mission Board made this shift um, several years ago, identifying 22 urban cities uh, or urban areas in the United States and Canada that needed a targeted gospel witness um, because there was not, there weren't enough churches planted or enough gospel witness, and so this became target cities or send cities where you're sending people to actually share the gospel. Yes, so, sir. Uh, so you're going to an area that is a target city. Um, Nathan, this group, the three of you, you're going to be with some other people along the way that are going to meet you in Clarkston. But this was not the original plan to go to Clarkston. So talk a little bit about the process of how you've ended up being sent to Clarkston. So um, uh, late last semester in the fall, uh, we decided we were going to go to um, Toronto, Canada, because we have a partnership up there with the Hamilton Fellowship with the Porters, um, and they actually are one of the representatives for Jim Sin, and so we we applied and got accepted into the program, um, but due to COVID, the border Canadian border is shut down, um, and we were never we weren't quite sure if it would be open in time uh, come May. So there was a lot of uncertainty throughout the beginning of this year. Um, and finally, they just, I think uh, Canada even went into a stricter lockdown. That's right. Um, so that kind of dashed our hopes and it was called off. So when we got the call, we kind of regrouped and we decided we were gonna go to a different city, uh, not just cancel it all together. And so we, we chose Clarkston. Um, and I can remember the phone conversation. Miss Catherine Porter is actually the representative for Gensend in the Toronto area. And I can remember when I called her, she sent me a message, said, hey, we need to talk. And she said, hey, I think your guys are just not gonna be able to come. It looks like we're not gonna bring anybody to Canada. And I'm so disappointed. She was very excited because at that time there were five guys, I think, that were gonna be a part of your team. And yeah. uh, and I think she was super excited because it was going to be a group of guys. She thought all of you were going to be excellent candidates for the job, and then everything got shut down. And as you said, in the meantime, they've even gone into a greater lockdown yeah. than they were experiencing at the time she made the call to cancel the trip. But everything's worked out, so now you're headed to Clarkson and still going to get the experience. Now, we're not just sending you guys to Clarkston without any training. So, Eli, share just a little bit about the training that three of you are going through at this point in time. Sure. Yeah, they, they sent us two, two main things. There's a thing called a path rate training where it just has, like, a short reading, and then you answer questions to really make you, like, reflect on what challenges you're going to have and how you need to start thinking uh, to get ready for the trip. And then there's also two books uh, that he gave us as tools to read. One of them's called... Life on Mission and the other is called Tradecraft. And it's called that because they treat mission work like any other work where you need to practice some tools before getting there. For example, um, there's a chapter on mapping and it basically just says that it's very useful to walk around the city rather than just drive through so you can really see the culture there. So you may be doing some walking once and, you hit the ground. Right, I think the first few weeks there we're gonna definitely try to use public transportation and learn how to do that. Okay. That's nice. 
All right, Calvin, going back, um, you've already been on a summer with Jensen, and you actually got to go to Hamilton several years ago before all of the COVID issues came along. So can you go back and share some of your experiences, things that stood out to you, things you learned through the experience of being in Hamilton? Yeah, so I had a great experience in Hamilton doing Jensen. Um The first thing that comes to mind is the friendships I was able to make with other team members. Uh, I'm trying to think. Most of the, I think half the team, I think there were 11 people, I think six of us were from the state of Mississippi. And so we kind of all met each other before we got there. Then there were five of us that were not from Mississippi and we met when we got to Toronto. No, excuse me. No, yeah, Toronto, because we flew in. Everybody met in the airport in Toronto. And so we still talk. I mean, we still text each other and talk and, like, check up on each other. So one of the friendships that I made with the other team members. And then the friendships I made with the people I met in Canada. You know, I still stay in contact with uh, people at the Hamilton Fellowships, with people I met, you know, in Canada, strangers I met, and then, you know, just started talking to them. I still keep up with them. And, but probably the the most important thing that I learned through Jensen and in Hamilton was that the gospel is relational. And because the gospel is a relational, evangelism should be as well. Um, up in, Really up until I went to Hamilton, you know, I would, you know, share the gospel with somebody and then, you know, leave room for them to make the decision. And basically I interpreted that as share the gospel and then walk away, share the gospel. And I knew all that. I was a robot. I was sharing the gospel, but as soon as I got done, you know, there, there we go. I'm finding somebody else. Um, and, and what I learned in Hamilton was that, you know, there's this quote, I don't know who said it. If I did, I'd give them credit. Um, but evangelism is not complete until discipleship is evident. Mm -hmm. And so if we are not staying with these, you know, if we're not sharing the gospel with non-believers and then walking with them through their early stages of faith in Christ, we're really setting them up, setting those people up for failure. Right. And so, uh, you know, through Jensen, um, basically Jensen gives you a free schedule and you find things that you're interested in doing and you do those things in that city and you meet people doing those things and you build a relationship that leads to a gospel conversation. And once you have all of those things figured out and you figure out the actual process to go through, uh, one, seeking out gospel conversations becomes easier and having those gospel conversations is easier as well. So, I know I've had a chance to meet the Hamilton Fellowships team, that's the leadership team, because mm -hmm. I took a vision trip up there a couple of years ago before coronavirus. And uh, we have a young lady at the Hamilton Fellowships who's there permanently on their staff, who's from Mississippi, mm -hmm. and I can't think of her. She has a nickname. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, one of the things that she was doing to go along with what you're saying is she had actually not used all of her basketball eligibility. And so uh, Hamilton College University found out she had a year of eligibility left to play basketball. So they invited her to come to their college. I think she became a grad student and played a year, but it gave her a chance to build relationships mm -hmm. doing something she already enjoyed doing, which was playing basketball. So she got to spend a whole year with the team. 
building relationships, sharing the gospel, and through those experiences. And she also started a coffee company mm-hmm. uh, to make some extra money to offset the expenses of living in Canada. And through that experience was building relationships with her clientele and being able to share the gospel through the experience of selling coffee. So your whole point about getting ingrained into the life of the community, building relationships and getting to know people, it's a great lesson. Then you can bring that back to wherever you live after that experience. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Nathan, I know that choosing to give up a summer where you could possibly make money and do other things um, can be challenging. So what advice would you give to some college students? Because you've had to work through the process to choose to do this. What advice would you give to people who are thinking, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to make that commitment. Yeah, so, I mean, ideally, well, so a few years ago, my plan was right after graduation, I'd go on a big trip, maybe to Alaska or something with my family. Um, But can't do that now because of the border issue. But um, I've always been looking for an opportunity to do a mission trip over the summer. Uh, And this came up, and I knew it was going to conflict with my ideal after graduation plans, but (laughs) I knew it was going to be worth it in the long run because um, being in college, this is an opportune time to actually do something like this for an extended period, six to eight weeks. Because once we graduate, you're going to get a job, you're going to be working 30, 40 years. You're just not going to have this time available. So um, my recommendation is if you ever get an opportunity, take it. You may not get it again. That's really good advice because life does get busy. Uh, Once you get a job, you get married, have kids, this kind of time frame, to be able to do a trip like this may not ever come, like you said. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably get future opportunities for like a week-long mission trip, but nothing six to eight weeks long, I don't think. That's true. That's a good point. Eli, what are you most excited about? Um, as you think about Clarkston, and what about challenging things that you might run into? Uh, I'm really most excited to see, there. so Clarkston is a refugee city, and they, they told me there's like over 100 different nationalities there at the same time, so I'm really just excited to see all the people of the world all in one place, like that's a very cool thing to see. Um, Challenge-wise, probably just like getting worn out after eight weeks. I think it, I've heard from Calvin, it gets tiring after a long mission trip, so that that could be difficult just to keep that energy up for that long. That makes sense. Calvin, you had that kind of experience? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, so when I went to Hamilton, it was a six-week trip, and I'd never, it my first time ever being away um, from home for that long. I had been on a three-week mission trip to England before, um, <clears throat> And I remember how tired I was after that, but I was also playing soccer every day for three weeks. Um, I wasn't playing soccer every day for six weeks while I was in Hamilton. Uh, But the exhaustion did not set in until the last week. And I remember the last week um, how tired, not just me, but everybody else on the team was. Uh, Somebody on the team actually had to leave and go home one week early. Really? Because they, they... had gotten sick earlier in the trip uh, and had not told anybody and tried to push through and they just got to the point where they couldn't anymore. Um, But we were all tired. Uh, We tried not to show it, but everybody could tell everybody else was tired. Um, However, 
it was all worth it. You know, those those days it was hard to get out of the bed and you had to, you know, as I would say, put on a good mask so that everybody around you, not a bad mask, not a bad, but a good mask so everybody would think you're not tired, you know, yeah. that you could um, act, go into camp mode when you really couldn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they'll learn. They'll learn. I'm just going to throw them to the dogs when we get there to Clarkson. <laughs> they'll learn real quickly. Now, talk a little bit about, you guys are not by yourselves. There's going to be other people from other schools, other places in the United States. You, have you had Zoom calls with them? Yeah, every Monday. Every Monday. So you're meeting with them every Monday, getting to know them a little bit by Zoom. Yeah. Where are some of the other locations where they're from? Two, two are international, like they came here for college from other countries. From other countries. And then the rest are just around the, most of the southeast, North Carolina, to, uh, Texas, Mississippi. But all of them are college students. All college students, Because like, yeah. this is a Gen Sin college program, so that makes sense. But you'll meet them for the first time when you get to Clarkson. But, and are you arriving? I know you said when you went to Hamilton, everybody came to the airport at the same time. Are you guys supposed to arrive at Clarkston at the same there time? There is a window. So Jensend um, gives you a window. So you have to arrive between the, I, I don't know what the window is, but I know you have to arrive before 3 o'clock. I can't remember. I think it's 11 to 3 o'clock. You have to arrive somewhere between there, uh, no matter what city you go to. Uh, so that everybody can kind of arrive at the same time okay, um, and kind of get to meet each other. Now, um, will you be living in the same vicinity or the same dorm, style, dorm type of environment? Or yes, I think. The last I, taught, the last I heard, we didn't necessarily know what the, what the housing situation was going to be in Clarkson yet. But in Hamilton it was. We lived in college dormitories okay. for six weeks, so... Maybe not intense or... No, not intense. I mean, I can do that. Or I can try to do that. I'll be putting on a good mask maybe after day two. But. Uh, all right, so as we finish up, I really appreciate you guys coming to do this. And we, we're, uh, not video, we're taping this on a Tuesday morning. Uh, you guys are going to leave on March, uh, not March, May 31st, which is Memorial Day. But this was the last time the three of you were going to be together in the same place uh, until we get together to go to Clarkston. So what is it that we can be praying for each of you as a church as you think about the trip ahead? So Calvin, I'll let you jump in first. So one thing that missionaries can always, well, one thing you can always do when you pray for missionaries is pray that one, uh, missionaries will seek out gospel conversations. Um, because if, if, if anybody is not seeking out a gospel conversation, they won't find one. So pray that, that missionaries will seek out gospel conversations and pray that missionaries will follow the Holy Spirit and then act on whatever the Holy Spirit leads them to do. Um, because I know at times, like when you get to week, six, seven, and eight, when you're tired and you don't, I mean, you just don't want to do anything. And you have to fully rely on the Holy Spirit to get you where you need to be and uh, to, to lead you to those gospel conversations and lead you into those places that need the gospel. And uh, just pray that when the Holy Spirit does do that, that we just act on that and we do share the gospel. Um, 
And so that that would be the main thing uh, as far as praying for us over the summer. Just pray that we seek out gospel conversations, follow the Holy Spirit, and then act and share the gospel. Okay. Nathan, how can we pray for you? Um, so one of the main aspects that we're going to be needing is uh, forming relationships. And that's something I've always struggled with, um, to, to quickly form relationships and be friends with people. Uh, usually for me, that's kind of a slow process. So hopefully um, I'll be a little bit more open to that. Um, another thing is just praying for the energy day to day that will keep up that that uh, our energy in the last weeks of this trip. And so if you don't know Nathan, he's a super nice guy, and I'm just giving you a verbal description, but he's a very introverted human being from yeah. the outside. So making relationships, that's, that's a true issue. So I appreciate you sharing that so we can pray for you about that. All right, Eli? Uh, same, pretty much the same stuff they've been saying, just being able to uh, have the endurance to go eight weeks serving God and uh, to really look for chances to share the gospel. Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, the three of you taking the time to come and share today and answer some questions about the Gen Sin experience that you're about to have. Um, we're excited as a church that you've chosen to give up your summer and go do this. And please know that we're going to be praying for you. And if there is anything we can do in the meantime, as you get ready to leave, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, but it's going to be a great experience, and the Lord's going to do some amazing things through all three of you. I'm convinced of that, as well as your team, once you get there and meet them, too. So have a great trip, and uh, we look forward to hearing the report on the backside when you get back at the end of the summer. So have a great rest of the afternoon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's Discover Crosspoint podcast. If you don't have a church home, please come join us as we worship at the Greensboro Center each Sunday. We offer one worship and it begins at 10 a.m. The Greensboro Center is located at 401 Greensboro Street. You can also find out more about our church by visiting our website, discovercrosspoint.org, or by following us via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We look forward to having you join us again next time, and we would love for you to share this podcast with others that you feel like could benefit from its content.